0: them in Genesis 20 through 25 they cover about 75 years and I'm going to preach five messages okay in about 30 minutes and they can call them five mini messages if you want to okay they're connected and interrelated but they're to spend an hour on each one of them okay number one first message failure is a learning opportunity but when we live badly we make God look bad. Genesis 21 and 2 says, Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said to his wife, 'She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. And I can hear your minds, I can hear the gears grinding right now, and you're saying to yourselves, Wait a minute, Pastor Scott. Haven't we heard that story a week or two ago? Didn't you say Abraham introduced his wife once before as his sister so he wouldn't be killed? Yes, and you're probably saying, well, he's just repeating the story just to remind himself, no, because it happened twice. It happened in chapter 12 when he gave his wife to Pharaoh and said, she's my sister, and now it happens in chapter 20 with King Abimelech. He does it a second time. What's going on here? What's going on here is Abraham has failed to learn the lessons of his history. He's now going around in circles repeating his mistakes. And I believe there are many people in our community and perhaps some in our church who want to see a spirit of addiction broken in their lives. In this story, Abraham is redoing his mistake. He's repeating it. Here we have this pagan king, Abimelech. He doesn't know God at all. However, God speaks to him. The man of God doesn't speak to God. He speaks to himself. And he says, this is how I'm going to deal with this problem. And the man of God is just speaking to himself. The pagan king is hearing from God. How ironic. This is where I get myself into trouble, to be truthful. I listen more to my internal conversation sometimes than I do God. And the sad part here is that the pagan king shows up the man of God. Genesis 20 and 6, Then God said to him, and he's talking to Abimelech here in his dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. So I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. And even though Abraham is shown up by the pagan king, there is an incredible grace that's shown to him in the New Testament. You remember when God called Abraham a friend of mine? He is a friend of God, James 2 and 23. And the scripture was filled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Aren't you glad that the worst thing that you have ever done is not how God defines you? Aren't you glad that the worst thought that you'd ever had is not how God defines you? And let's think about that for just a minute. In our thought lives, we can go down pretty deep if we're really honest, okay? Aren't you glad that we don't walk around with monitors on the top of our head that record every thought in movie form? We come to church and everybody knows what we're thinking We're not defined by God by our worst thoughts, by our worst deeds and actions. However, we do need to break the habits of destructive, secular behavior in our lives. Number two sermon. Faith is not a sprint. It's a walk. Genesis 21 and 5 says Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. God is wanting us to know that this promise of a son did not happen quickly. How many of you are grandparents here? Raise your hands. Okay. Surely you're almost a grandparent. Every grandparent that I know is obsessed with their grandchildren. Come up to me after the service, and I will show you my iPhone, and I'll share with you the 359,000 pictures that I have of my grandchildren, okay? Uh, and I'll brag on them when I do. Emily is seven right now, and uh, she is at Oxford on a Rhodes Scholarship working on a doctorate in Hebrew literature. Aubrey is five. She's at Stanford in medical school. Claire is is graduating from Union High School and be attending Harvard Law School in the fall. Max is graduating from Fort Smith this uh, December and he'll be heading to OU playing football next fall. Savannah graduated with a major in nursery rhymes and Dr. Seuss. When my kids, my children, Tyler, Taylor and Tabitha were growing up, they had this slightly annoying phrase that they repeated regularly on road trips. Does anybody know what that phrase would have been? They're there yet. I see you raise the same children. Are we there yet? And that's how we are with God, okay? On our faith trip. Are we there yet? When is that promise gonna be fulfilled? You know, when we read our Bibles and we think of God's promises, they look to be fulfilled pretty quickly because we just kind of turn the page and turn the page, and there it is, and there's the answer. Abraham was 75 when he started his journey, 75 years old. He was 86 when Ishmael was born. He was 100 when Isaac was born. There's a 25-year gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. There was a 16-year time... A uh, 16-year time of domestic misery as a result of the birth of Ishmael. You see, faith is not us bouncing from one magnificent revelation to another answer to our prayers. It's not just bounce, 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 here, all of our answers to prayer, right? Maybe you're different than me. Sometimes it's a long uphill against the wind on the roller skates trek. From one valley to the other valley. Faith is not a sprint. Number three sermon. Sometimes we need to let go of our dreams and obey God in times of testing. Genesis 21 and 12. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And I could go on and on and on here, okay? Isaac and Ishmael, children of the same father, two mothers cohabitating in the same home. Wow. No child had come for Sarah at this time, okay? So she comes up with this little raggedy plan. Abraham, why don't you go have a child with our slave girl, and we'll have a child in that manner. It's not what God wanted. They're trying to hurry things up. I've never seen a woman like Sarah. Nobody does that. But Ishmael's born, and that birth created incredible tension in that household. And this also put Ishmael in line as the firstborn to receive the inheritance Of the firstborn. God had intended all along that that inheritance would go to Isaac. He would be the child of blessing. God speaks to Abraham and tells him, You do whatever Sarah tells you to do. He comforts Abraham when Sarah says, Send them away. God speaks to him and says, He's going to take care of Hagar and Ishmael. That was okay for Sarah to say, Send them away. Ishmael's been mocking Isaac. Ishmael's been mocking the child of blessing. Send them away. She didn't have anything invested. The only person that had anything invested there was Abraham. This is his son. He's had a relationship with this woman, and it's his sinful relationship. He goes and packs their things, gives them a lunch, and has to send his sin out into the wilderness. He's attached. That's the other sermon. Abraham had to let go of the lesser dream, Ishmael, so he could lay a hold of the greater dream, Isaac. Sometimes we need to let go of our dreams. We need to know that God is not a genie in a bottle and just to fulfill our dreams. Genesis 22 and 1. We go on to part 2 of sermon number 3. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am. And he replied, Then God said, take your son, talk about letting go of dreams. He'd already let go of one son. Now God's saying, you're going to have to kill your other. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And I just want to tell you this your information. I think it's kind of interesting. Moriah was not just one mountain. It was a series of mountains. It was a mountain chain in Israel. And it's believed that Moriah was cal- Calvary. It's believed that that's the mountain that they took Jesus to the top of and sacrificed him there. Do you begin to see the typology? The ram and the bush and on and on. This test that Abraham is being asked to pass here is incredibly uncomfortable for me. I don't like the test. I don't like to think about this test. Sometimes I just don't even understand the test. But in the scripture, it demonstrates that God hated and judged people for child sacrifice, and he's asking Abraham to do just that. What's going on here? This is a test of faith. And what God is showing Abraham is this. He's showing him what he does not want. Not just in child sacrifice. He didn't want that. He has come from Ur, Abraham has, of the Chaldees, where they practice child sacrifice. He's headed to Canaan where they practice this as well. God is taking Abraham on a journey to see what a good parent should feel. God was making Abraham feel agony, and no, this is not what he wants. Number four, move into that. God is to be trusted and not appeased. Genesis twenty-two, thirteen 13 and 14. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram. <laughs> a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place... The Lord will provide. He called it Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The old religion of the Chaldees was that God was mad and we needed to buy him off. In that case, because they were pluralistic in their gods, buy them off. But God was trying to demonstrate here to Abraham, help him to understand, I want you to please me, not appease me. God set Abraham up to think this is another appeasement religion. He was causing him to think that, in which devotees placate their God's every whim. Yet, shockingly, like a playwright walking on stage in the middle of the performance, God yells, cut! So we see this new religion Is not going to be like the standard appeasement approach, but about relationship, about trust, and about love. God was not reaffirming a well-known model about appeasing the gods. Rather, he was establishing a rival model, one of faith, and more powerfully than he ever could have with a mere moral proposition like this, you shall not engage in human sacrifice. He did it through a visual thing. God established a clear path of how people were to relate to him. In other words, God doesn't want us to try to pay him off. He wants us to accept his grace. And I want you to notice the language here. God said to Abraham, take your son, whom you love, your only son Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, probably Calvary, and sacrifice him there. The New Testament writers use the same same words in relationship to the sacrifice of God's only Son. Your only Son, whom you love. I'm going to sacrifice Him. Jesus has paid the price for our sins. And what that means for us is we don't need to drag our shame around anymore. You don't have to drag it around anymore. Those embarrassing things from the past, those things that you put under the blood, you don't have to pick them up again. I remember Dana and I going to Tulsa International Airport, and we were on a trip for our 30th anniversary, 35th. We're going to Hawaii, okay? And I remember getting our bags out of the car. And and Dana, I try to carry everything for you, so I set them out on the curb. I say, you go on in and get in line. So I'm bringing those bags in, and I'm carrying them up there. And I finally get them up there to the check-in, set them down, and the lady begins to weigh them. She weighs the first one. She goes, you're one pound over. I said, you've got to be kidding. She said, no, you're going to have to change something around. So we shift it around. Get it all. We weigh them. They're all just right. And she turns around and puts my burden on the conveyor belt. All four bags on the conveyor belt. And and I watch them. I always like to watch them to make sure that they're not going to be just sitting there, you know, after this is all done. And I watch them, they just kind of slowly go away, and they turn the corner, and they go through those vinyl things, and you can't see them anymore. They're gone. Hallelujah. I don't have to carry those things anymore. I can go up to the gate, and I don't have any weight. I don't have any burden. There's no baggage with me anymore. This is great. And 17 hours later, we land at Lahainai Airport in Kauai, Hawaii. And guess what? I meet back up with my baggage and my burden. it's going around there. And I guess I could have walked off, you know, and left it there. But I reach over and I picked it back up. (laughs) To the shuttle, to the rental car place get them out of the shuttle, carry them all the way over to the car. No, I had to stop at the rental car place first, put them down, pick them up again, then go to the car, you know. The point is, I just keep picking up my burden, picking up that baggage, picking up that shame. And the truth is, many people come to church week to week to week, and they bring that baggage They bring that burden, and thank God they have a place to lay it down. But many times before they hit the back door, they picked it up, and they're carrying it back home with them again, nearly broken by the burden, able to lay it down. Never God was intending for us to pick it up ever again. We pick it up all the time. We temporarily suspend our shame baggage, and then we pick it up. And God tried to show Abraham here, don't just appease me, trust me. Number five, tearful seasons come, but in the end, we will have the last laugh. This is sad to me, this part. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath, Arba, that's Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over over her. Here's the news. If you have a pulse, you're going to cry. If you're going to love, there's going to be a grieving time. And when Sarah died, She and Abraham had been married for over 100 years. they have been on this journey for 62 years. they have been through all these incredible things together. And several times it talks about, actually seven times it talks about in Scripture, Abraham burying her, and each time it's talked about, he cried out loud. I've heard Christians say to other Christians when they're in mourning, when they've lost a loved one, well, you don't need to cry. They're with Jesus now. Baloney. What do you mean? That's why I'm crying. They're with Jesus now. I want him to be here with me, and it's perfectly natural to grieve, and it's perfectly natural to mourn that loss. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, You do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Okay? doesn't mean you don't grieve. It means you don't grieve in the same fashion with the, that those who have no hope grieve, okay? You grieve, and you grieve, and you grieve until you're finished grieving, okay? I may grieve longer than you grieve, but there's no set time that you're going to lay it down, and you're going to take off the ashes. You're going to take off the sack, sackcloth. There's no set time, Okay? Genesis 25, 7, and 8. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last, and he died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered with his people, or to his people. What does that mean? He was gathered to his people. It simply means he was gathered with those who had gone on before him. Just gone on. With, that, that's a celebration time. What a wonderful time, right? He gathered with those people. Abraham has the last laugh and so does Sarah, okay? 75 years. They were together. To close this, I want to zoom in on Abraham and Sarah for just a second. Genesis 21, 6 and 7 says, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Remember that laughter she laughed when the angel of the Lord came and told her she was going to have a child? And it was really kind of a smart aleck laugh like, yeah, right but she really did get to laugh. God has brought me laughter. Abraham and Sarah had the last laugh. God fulfilled his promise through Abraham's life, through Sarah. And by the way, if you are in Christ, you will also laugh last because there's great joy that's coming in the morning. Amen. He's coming to get you. And when you breathe that last breath, you're going to get to go see him to get uh, on that day. And I would imagine your soul will be filled with laughter and joy at that time. Would you stand with me?